Welcome to From Fear to Fire, Secrets to Overcome Fear, Embrace Your Gifts, and Achieve Success. This is the place where real people share real challenges, where you can find a common bond and uncommon wisdom through their journeys to help you move from fear to fire. I am Heather Hansen O'Neill. I am your host, and we always start with a quote and dive into a guest. So today's quote is by Walter Lander, and its products are made in the factory, but brands are created in the mines. And you're going to know momentarily why I chose that one, because we've got a brand master with us today. Larry Golko is a brand architect and strategist, executive coach, keynote speaker, and growth advisor. He founded and moderates the annual CEO Brand Leadership Roundtable and CEO Fireside Chats at the Harvard Business School. Larry created Brand New Day, a one-of-a-kind brand building and thought leadership retreat, He's the co-host of Name Brands CBS Boston, an insightful and entertaining brand leadership podcast show. And for 20 years, his advertising and brand consultancy agency, Golko & Company, launched and positioned brands for the Fortune 1000, middle market companies, entrepreneurial ventures, and nonprofits. Larry is an advisor to the C-Level community and has served on boards and committees, including Babson Advisory Council, ASAE, and the Center for Association Leadership. I will tell you that I could go on for another hour, but well, I would rather bring him on and get right to it. Welcome, Larry. Welcome, Heather. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate being here. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. So Larry and I did a show together through our wonderful mutual friend, Gayla Lawson, who we love. So we're going to recommend her show as well here. Um, and I just fell in love with Larry. And I'm like, Larry, you got to come on my show. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited. So, Bye. you know, um, I want to dive into brand building because I just, I know that's your sweet spot, but is there anything that you want to share with our listeners first about how you got to this? point of expertise yeah well basically um i've been as you mentioned earlier heather you know i had an advertising and brand consultancy which i launched a lot of products of the fortune 500 and nonprofits and startups and you know a variety of different companies but i've always been fascinated with the why people buy what they buy you know mm -hmm. the consumer behavior part of it the emotional psychology part of it and also just you know how people uh, enact and embrace, let's say, relationships with, with brands. And so I've been doing that for the last 30 years and I just fell into it in a, in a very strange way because initially, you can't believe this, Heather, initially I went to college to be an industrial engineer, believe it or not. Really? And, How fun. Yes. <laughs> and then after a month, I got fried and I said, I'm done with this engineering. I asked my roommate, what, what, what's your major? He said, marketing, and that's it. I mean, he could say anything <laughs> to me because I didn't know anything about engineering. But, but going back to your question earlier, I've always been fascinated with why we buy what we buy, you know, how brands create emotional connection with their customers, and also, you know, how you sustain growth long term. So it's been my wheelhouse and my, not just my passion, but my commitment uh, for the last three decades. That's fantastic. So you obviously have experience here. Now I'm a why gal, you know, like I love to get to the source of why we do what we do, right? So yeah. I yeah. think regarding brand building, I would like to know why it's important that we drive brand performance. Like for those listening who really just don't get the difference, right? So help yeah. us out with the why. Yeah, I say the why is, you know, there's a real big distinction between a brand name and a name brand. Mm. A 
a, a name brand is a brand that's a go-to brand, aspirational brand. It's really, it's almost like when you go to the supermarket, if you buy a certain peanut butter or you buy a certain granola, it's your go-to brand. And a, um, a brand name is simply a name that we file as an LLC or a subchapter S, whatever, mm -hmm. and we file it and register it and we're in business. But, you know, a brand name really many times is commoditized versus being a name brand. And a lot of people that I believe in the landscape today, they're failing to do one thing and that's focusing. Really how they're, you know, focusing on what their brand really stands for. What are you gonna be famous for? What's so authentic about your brand that people perceive your brand is unlike any other brand in the space that you lived in? And that's really key. Because otherwise, if you don't stand out, or I call it, if you don't break through the marketing clutter and you don't create a brand voice that's distinctive, authentic, believable, resonates, relevant, mm -hmm. then you'll be a commodity. And when you're a commodity, you're bought for one thing alone, and that's price. And so in my opinion, unless you're a Walmart or Target, I don't want to be in the price business, nor do I want my clients to be in the price business because there's value. There's value that we offer, and but we have to really do a deep dive and say, you know, like, what are we really selling that people really understand that we're the only brand of choice in that category? I love that. And when you're speaking about like the value and what are you selling and differentiation, to me, it speaks more to, I don't know, the, the integrity, the character or the emotion that you want to evoke from it over just the product. Am I, am I close? Yes. You know, I'll, I'll give another example also, Heather. I always talk with my clients, whether it be my one day retreat or even one-on-one, -on -one, you know, as a brand strategist. Um, I always ask clients and we always go over this for a long time because we do a deep dive, immersive, almost like soul searching. Mm -hmm. And the big question is, what are you truly selling? I'll give you an example. A while ago when I was working with Holly Davidson, um, they told me they were selling motorcycles. And I told them, no, no, you're not selling motorcycles. You make motorcycles. But what are you really selling? And after a long uh, endurance, we, we came up with the fact that they're selling freedom. Mm -hmm. Holly Davidson is in the freedom business. So everything they do, their DNA, their culture, their website, their brand voice, all reflects freedom. And once you decide and you hone in on what you're really selling, it's very hard for a competitor to dislodge you because you're, you're the first in the mind. So I go further. What's, what's Disney selling? Disney's selling happiness. And life is good at selling optimism. And Duracell is selling long-lasting. You know what I'm saying? And you can go on and on. But you have to really say to yourself, you know, what are we really selling that emotion connects with our consumer, not what we're making. I you know, and, and it, it would be a distinction. It's almost like whether you want to look at golf courses, mm -hmm. every golf course has 18 holes in a grill room. Every bank has the same services. Every law firm has the same services, primarily. Mm -hmm. So you gotta say to yourself, what's distinct about our brand, but what are we really selling that's really going to emotionally connect with our consumer so they again know that we are different from the others in the space that we live in? You know, that's fantastic for a couple of different reasons. One, it makes it infinitely easier for every human that is working within that organization to be part of your sales team, you know, no matter what role they have, because they're invested and they believe in what the company stands for, right? But exactly. also, you know, it's just a connection point for those clients that, that, uh, increases loyalty in my head. That's, you know, it's about loyalty. It's, I don't go anywhere else, right. For certain brands, 
Now, I know that you've got great, like you're just a master at storytelling, right? So you've got some <laughs> great stories. Yeah. Um, what do you think would be one of the best ones that you've seen of a company who's been successful in using their brand to really grow the business? Well, you know, I would say without a doubt, relating to a current day, uh -huh. I would say Delta Airlines yeah. is an amazing airline that really has a brand voice. And their tagline is um, keep climbing. Mm -hmm. But keep climbing is not just a tagline. It's a part of their DNA, their culture. I'll give you an example of why I'm so impressed with Delta Airlines and their CEO, Ed Bastian, mm -hmm. because Ed and his organization are like any other airline. I'll tell you why. Ed, uh, Delta Airlines' brand voice is what they're selling, as I mentioned earlier, but what are you really selling? Mm -hmm. They're selling trust and confidence. Many of their competitor airlines are selling destinations, half price seats, uh, middle seats, so on and so on. Everything Delta is doing in this past year has been about trust and confidence. Every promotion, every newsletter you see is what they're doing to increase the safety and wellness of their employees and their customers, um, creating programs with the late, um, with um, Mayo Clinic, mm -hmm. with John Hopkins. Everything is focusing on the, the customer and the employee to make sure they're safe and they're well. They're not focusing on Aruba or destinations at all. And they're not selling a middle seat and they're recirculating air every two minutes in the airplane um, with outside air. And I'm not saying this to, to really create an advertisement for Delta Airlines. I'm just saying in the answer to your question, they're doing something that's really, they're being a good brand citizen today mm -hmm. and their messaging reflects their core values and also what they're really selling. And I believe Delta will come out of this big time mm -hmm. um, post pandemic. And you mentioned one word just now, Heather, which is key. In the words loyalty. Yeah. Brands really don't really care. I'm saying this loosely if you're satisfied with their, with their product. Because satisfaction does not grow a brand long-term. Loyalty does. Mm -hmm. And so during this pandemic, where Delta is doing everything so different in their brand voice and any other airline, that when we come out of the pandemic, they're going to have huge loyalty. So it speaks mm -hmm. huge volumes that basically, when we were suffering and we were being challenged with the worst of times, Delta was doing what was right to, to again, enhance our wellness to assure us they were healthy and safe if and when we decide to fly again. So to me, I commend them. And again, so that message they have is a really, uh, I always tell people, don't try to be the best, just be the only. Well, mm -hmm. Delta is the only airline doing, saying, living, breathing, delivering on their brand promise for the last year. So that, that to me comes to mind as an amazing brand that really has, is, is walking the walk, talking the talk mm -hmm. as far as what they believe in. And it's not a PR stint, it's their way of life and their culture. You know, and I agree with you because yes, they've really bumped it up this last year, but I've always been a fan of Delta because of that trust factor. Like, I feel like I can always trust that I'm going to get where I'm going, where I'm supposed to get uh, approximately the time I'm supposed to get there. I know yeah. that they're going to do a good job. There's this consistency with them. They've always been so strong with that trust aspect and they've just expanded that. Um, tremendously this past year. So that's an excellent example. Now I'm going to ask you to do something I am assuming is going to be a little bit more difficult. So what's an example or a story of maybe a brand gone wrong? So we can see the other extreme. Do you have any of those? Oh, sure. There are plenty. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there probably are. But, you know something? but the main thing is there are plenty. But when, the, as I mentioned earlier, when a brand loses its focus, a lot of bad things happen. I'll give you an example. 
look at let's look at Talbot's clothing. Talbot's is a great brand, been around for 70 years. Well, Talbot's is well known for women's clothing. But Talbot's decided, you know, a while ago, I think it was seven years ago, to expand their brand, saying, hey, people know Talbot's for women. Well, let's, let's make it Talbot's for men. Let's expand Talbot's for children. And I say as a joke, what was next? Talbot's for pets? And the pet business <laughs> is booming. I mean, why can't Talbot's make a nice little, you know, coat or jacket? Furry friends, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, what's happened is Talbot's came within a month of going bankrupt seven or eight years ago because they expanded their brand to all different product categories that they weren't known for. So you got to stay in your lane. And so I have no problem expanding a brand, but I say new brand, new camp. And so therefore, Talbot's now today has focused back in on just focusing on women's clothing, no more tablets for men, no more tablets for children, and nothing else, because that's what they stand for. That's what they're famous for. So a brand gone wrong, they could have been out of business. But luckily, they brought in a great CEO, Lizanne Kendler, from uh, Ann Taylor, and she turned the company around and focused it. So just saying, we are a women's apparel company, period. And sometimes people say to me, you know, how can they do something like that? And, you know, it, it's always amazes me also, Heather, that let's say the C-suite and a board will agree on a certain direction mm. that really what happens is that brand becomes their biggest competitor. Never mind the competitive landscape there is, they're the ones who are doing themselves in. And I see it many times. I'll give you one other example. Many years ago, Levi's saw that um, had, a, had, a, had a site for creating khakis. I remember, remember it, was, it was Friday, um, casual Fridays for khakis? Yeah. Well, Levi's underestimated the word blue jeans. Levi's was my blue jean company, not my khaki company. And so they created late, late years later, Dockers. Mm -hmm. So we buy brands, not companies. Mm -hmm. The average consumer has no idea who makes Dockers, nor do we care. Right. So Levi's, as big as they were, could not expand their brand into khakis under the Levi brand. They had to create a sub-brand, Dockers, which as you and I both know, is booming success. Mm -hmm. So that's why I say new camp, new mm -hmm. brand name. I love that you added that, Larry, because um, in the beginning, I was thinking, oh, you know, somebody who wants to expand, they may be disheartened, but you perfectly um, added on that you can certainly expand. You just have to have a new brand for it. That makes so much exactly. sense to me because it's about focus. If you're going to really grow the brand, you need to be focused. Big time. You really have to laser beam focus and say, mm -hmm. what are we going to do? that's going to be special to us, that we will be the first in the mind of the consumer when they think that category. And, you know, for example, yeah. Heather, when you, when you look at certain products you buy yourself in the supermarket or a salon or a cruise ship, whatever, there's certain brands that we automatically migrate towards mm -hmm. because we have a relationship with them and, and prices are relevant. And when you really are really, when you really are focused and you're really loyal to a brand, this price elasticity that it doesn't really matter what they charge to a degree, buy it. Because, you know, I also tell people, I tell clients all the time, their eyes light up. You know, Heather, like, what do you mean no one needs me? <laughs> no one needs me, I tell them. And like, you know, Heather, no one needs you, no one needs me. It's all about wants, not need. So when people want a brand, for example, nobody needs a Rolex watch for $8,000. Mm -hmm. But if you want a Rolex watch, you will find the money, whether you're affluent enough to afford it or you want to budget over a 12-month period, it doesn't really matter. You, we find the money for brands that we want. So I tell clients listening today, uh, you know, on your audience, you know, what can you do to be a want, not a need? Because mm -hmm. when you're a want, people will jump through hoops, take buy and get your product or experience your product, no matter what it takes, because it's a strong affinity. 
Oh, I love that. That is a great tip, Larry. That's a good one. Now, you know, with the name of my show being From Fear to Fire, I have to ask, has there been a time, and you've had such an illustrious career in this 30 years, doing all kinds of amazing things with big brand name companies. Um, have you experienced a challenge or a fear personally or with your business that you learned something really valuable from? You know, it's all about kind of making that movement out of the fear state. Is there anything that you could share with us? So it could be anything, you know, my from fear to fire is about the movement from something that we experienced yeah. a challenge, a yeah. fear, um, some difficulty in our lives or our businesses. And we made it on the other side, we learned right. something. And right. we, that that's one of the things that I like to share with my listeners. So is there anything that you can think of a yes. challenge that you had that you overcame? Yes, well, you know, for 30 years, and I really, I, I really, really do not like the word consultant. I'm not a mm -hmm. consultant. I, the consultant, just a lot of people I talked to in the past, you know, 10, 20, 30 years, they've been burned by consultants. I'm not saying at all, implying every consultant is not a good consultant, but that word is just doesn't jive with me. And mm -hmm. so when I use the word growth advisors, I'm sorry, growth advisor and a brand strategist, that's what defines me. Mm -hmm. But one thing I've done is that. For years, I've always been in a consultative mode working with clients. And I created this program that you mentioned early on when you introduced me, Brand New Day. Mm -hmm. And Brand New Day is a one-day retreat. I, ne I never had a product. I never had a program to sell or market I thought was really pretty cool. It was always one-on-one, -on -one, like a six-month program mm -hmm. or one-year you know, you know, retainer, whatever it might have been. And there's so many companies out there that really want to really build their brand. I might not have, you know, the either the, uh, the vision or the budget to engage me for a year or six months, whatever it might, it might be, that's fine. So Brand New Day is a one-day program that I work with one company only and 20 of their members of their senior team meet with me for one day. And it really is amazing the new ideas we're honing in on. We take a fresh look and I love your name of your podcast because I tell people what can you do to ignite your brand. Mm -hmm. And in fact, my tagline for Brand New Day yeah. is retreat, refresh, reignite. Oh, I love it. So we're in the same, we're in the same wavelength, Heather. Okay. Yeah, totally. And so, and so this program, the beauty of it is at three o'clock in the afternoon, the ideas we're honing in on, the ideas we're tweaking, we're not even the radar screen at nine in the morning. And so I always tell people, can somebody really, and you'll see my website, I um, can somebody make a difference in one day but your brand? And the answer is yes, if you have the right people in the room and the right person guiding the experience. Mm -hmm. But you're right. But so I've created this product. I've never had a product, it's always been a service. And I started three years ago, and naturally with COVID-19, we pivoted to a virtual program, which works well, but naturally, without a doubt, there's less dynamics and vibes in the room because we're all working on the, on the, on the, um, on the screen, you know, the Zoom, whatever. Yeah. But I'm looking forward to the fall getting back to in-person programs again. But it's a one-day program. So basically, a company can invest only one day with the people and time and resources, whatever. Mm -hmm. and, and out of the day, maybe like three to five initiatives that are really game changes come about. And so into your question, um, I've looked at that saying, what else can I do to pivot or change what I do? And with my passion, and so these one day programs are great, but without a doubt, you know, I'm honest with you, I entered this one day meeting business a year and a half before the pandemic and coming to the pandemic, the last thing you wanna do is being the meeting business. Mm -hmm. So that, that really threw me for a loop yeah. because basically from March until August, um, not many companies are looking to hire somebody like myself to build their brand. You know, I'm just being totally honest with you. 
and you're listening to this, um, we were all just focusing on staying alive and being in business and having the lights on and keeping our employees. So building the brand was not top of mind, but now after August, whatever, it's come a little more full swing and mm -hmm. I see the light in the tunnel. So we are getting back to new engagements for the fall in person and one in fact in June. So I'm feeling really good that the, the wave has changed, the light in the tunnel is changing and my brand new day one day retreats in person will mm -hmm. be back in business come probably uh, another two months. Oh my gosh, Larry, I love that because as someone who obviously is very immersed in meetings and events industry, I love seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. Somebody else telling me it's coming. I feel it. People are starting to book. This is good news. Um, now, I'm an action-oriented person, so if you wanted to give the listeners a takeaway that they might be able to use right now, maybe a new way of looking at something related to brand or something that they could try, is there something that you'd be able to recommend for them? Yeah, um, what I tell people, and even when I give my keynote speeches mm -hmm. around the country, everything I talk about has nothing to do with budget. It's all conceptually. It's all conceptually. It doesn't matter to me whether you have a $5,000 a year budget or $5 million. It doesn't really matter. It's taking a fresh look at your brand. So I would advise everybody listening to really do a deep dive soul search, take a fresh look at your brand and really say to yourself, you know, where are we today? What do people think about, about us today? What do we want to be known for? Are, what are our milestones one to three years from now? And then what do we have to do to get there to achieve that goal and that success that we envision. And part of that really is doing, a, a, I call it a deep dive soul searching, you know, experience being, you know, a, with thought leaders and really um, taking a high look at your brand and saying to yourself, you know, who's the competition out there? What's changing? What are the trends out? What are the trends that are happening? Are they fundamental changes? Are they opportunities? Are they threats? You know, let's look at our brand umbrella. How many brands do we have sub brands under our umbrella? Should we contract the brand? to expand our brand. So it's a whole multitude of things, but it really is, comes down to taking a fresh look, taking a pause. And also one thing I tell clients all the time, I tell them, you know, if you have the resources and you should, take about maybe about five or six people and give them one um, assignment. And that is have them go away for five or six months, whatever, okay? And do whatever they can to make your brand obsolete. And they look at me like with 10 eyes, like, what do you mean? I tell them, <laughs> If you don't make your, if you are not planning to make your brand obsolete in terms of either product attributes, product brand voice, whatever it might be, then your competitor will. So why wait for your competitor to come in and make you obsolete, make yourself obsolete? Just like, I mean, a great brand, Apple, right? Yeah. Apple keeps making their own brands. You know, the Apple 10, the Apple 11, the Apple 12, they keep discontinuing their old brands and make it obsolete. Why wait for a competitor like Samsung or somebody else to come in and make it obsolete? So they're always one step ahead of the game, discontinuing a previous model or different version to stay in the cutting edge of what they're doing. So I also tell people as well, uh, one, one philosophy I have which is really important. I'll, I'll, I'll give them two of them. Number one is you want to embrace bold and disruptive thinking in your organization. I don't want to hear we think out of the box. Think out of the box is a 90s term. It's, it's a yawner. It means nothing to me. You have to invent. You have to create. And you have to say to yourself also, on the other side of success, you mentioned earlier, or you alluded to it, Heather, on the other side of success is fear or failure. Mm -hmm. And don't be like that. And the other, the other mantra that I lived by for many years is I really, I joke about it. I say like Ralph Waldo Emerson 
really created the term brain marketing. And Ralph Waldo Emerson said, do not go where the path may lead. Go instead where there's no path and leave a trail. And isn't that, Heather, what brand building is all about? You either, you don't want to be a me too following brand, the right. famous. When everyone's going left, you want to go right. It's oh, really yeah. that simple. Yeah. But you have to discipline saying we have to do it and you have to the guts to do it. And believe me, if you do it, a lot of great things happen. I've seen it so many times. But if you go left and see the sameness and Me Too brand, you're again, you're a commodity. You're not a brand. Mm-hmm. You're, you have a brand name, but you're not a name brand. Oh my gosh. These are great tips. I love, I love a guest who, Thank when you. I ask for one tip, can give me five. Hey, listeners, you got a deal here. This is awesome. And so I'm certain that our listeners are like kind of wondering, how do I get a hold of Larry? Is there any way that, that I can reach him? So Larry, why don't you take a moment and share how people can reach you? And of course, we'll put links for everyone in the show notes. And I know that you have a, a great opportunity for the From Fear to Fire listeners. So if you can tell them about that too. Right. If you want to ignite your brand, and I really appreciate uh, the opportunity today. It's been great. Uh, if people want to get a hold of me, my email is Larry at LarryGulko.com. Mm-hmm. And the last name is G-U-L-K-O. And my website is BrandNewDayRetreat.com. And you have to put the word retreat in because mm-hmm. if you if you Google Brand New Day, you'll come up with an assisted living home in Oregon <laughs> or name of a life insurance. Don't call. go there. <laughs> no, don't go there. So BrandNewDayRetreat.com is really a great site because mm-hmm. it talks about my retreats virtually and in person. And also what I do as far as a brand strategist and growth advisor, there's also other links to, as you mentioned earlier, to my podcast at CBS Boston. There's other links that are really very valuable, very educational. And, and really, and I would welcome, I really would, I would welcome that, you know, if any of your listeners would want to just, you know, reach out to me in an email and have an hour chat with me, really, at no cost, I do a gratis for your listeners, mm. you know, just talk about their brand, run something by me, um, get my insight, get my thoughts. I'd be delighted to talk to any of your listeners and mm. help them any way I can as initial, you know, initial get together. And, mm. you know, so reach out to me and don't, and don't be shy. And I'd love to talk to anybody. And anything I can do, even in a half hour, an hour, yeah. to give you some more advice or ideas or nuggets of wisdom that can help you with your brand, even if it's only one or two ideas, um, I'd be delighted. I really would. Larry, that is incredibly generous of you. And everyone, Larry's been phenomenal. So, you know, any, if you want to reach out to him, do that. Put From Fear to Fire into the subject line so he knows that it's that it's this, this offer to you guys. Appreciate that. And we, of course, I told you this was going to fly by, Larry. It's time for final parting words of wisdom. What is that one burning thing that you want them to know about? The one guiding thing is... Um, I want to tell them, number one, don't be afraid of hit, don't be afraid of being hit by a pitch. And if you're batting 1,000, you're losing. That means you're complacent. You got you to gotta be abreast of what's happening, stay on top of things. But again, I can't um, emphasize it enough. Focus, focus, focus. Own something in the minds of the consumer. You don't have to be the first to own it. Motorola mm-hmm. invented the cell phone. Where's Motorola today? Okay. If I had one product that you want to be like, as far as being a specialist, mm-hmm. be the Q-tip. Be the <laughs> Q-tip. Nobody asks you in your home, do you have any cotton swabs? Q-tip yeah. is singular. They're a specialist, yeah. and they've never veered from what they've done for a hundred years. So again, I can't say enough. The word focus, focus, focus. 
Oh, brilliant, Larry. Thank you so much for bringing your wisdom and your energy today. You are appreciated. Everyone, if you love this show, make sure to share it with a friend. Have a beautiful day. Thank you. Be well.